So finding that information out, it allowed me to develop a continuity product. Continuity is like probably one of the biggest factors. It's what everyone wants. That's the key to the success of this. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome to episode number 110 of Perpetual Traffic. Today's episode, we've got a, we've got a great guest with you. We've got a case study. It's been a while, I think, since we've been a case study. We're coming from four different places all over the world right now. We've got Ralph, myself, Molly, and James. James from petsnacks.com.au. And uh, he's going to tell his story. This is going to be a pretty fun one. I'm going to actually let Ralph get right into the intro, and then we'll let James come on and tell his story and how he told his story to sell a lot of pet snacks. <laughs> yeah. Well, James, psyched to have you on here, man. Welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Welcome, James. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Awesome to be on. This story is super interesting, I think, because uh, not only because James has been able to sell a bootload of dog treats in Australia, but also his evolution story, I think, is really interesting because Pet Snacks, his company, was actually originally an agency customer. And we had worked together for just a little bit over a year. And then after about that year or so, James decided that his true passion wasn't necessarily you know, running that company or having a hand in that company. And I think he can probably explain it better than I do, but he really was interested in marketing and advertising and all the stuff that we were doing inside Facebook. And I think at, at that point, he took over the ads and started running it on his own. And then oddly enough, a few months later, we had an interesting conversation because he was taking a different role inside Pet Snacks and we agreed to work together inside the agency. So now James is actually an account manager for the agency and runs active ads and is a huge part of our team. But this is still a, a business that you're involved in. Maybe you can explain exactly what your role is, how things evolved, and sort of how we got to this point where we're going to be telling this awesome story today about your ads. No worries, Ralph. So basically, Petsnax was a company that was born out of scratching my own itch. And I started the company, I invented the product, and it all came from Years ago, I had a pet who passed away from, uh, from liver failure, and that was from eating uh, toxic pet treats. And it was a really sad story, and after the dog got infected with these toxic treats, it took a few weeks, and he was actually just passed away. And so when I got a new dog, I looked everywhere for a treat that was completely natural. I wasn't going to go down the same road and make the same mistakes. So I looked for a treat that wasn't some imported nasty treat that contained additives or anything like that but you know I couldn't find anything uh, nothing that I trusted anyway so in the end I just decided to create my own that's awesome yeah it's awesome and I think um, that's the key to this whole story and I think that evolution story is actually is the most important part to how you were able to get the success that you're now enjoying yeah James what you said I think is really really important you created this company because you had a bad experience with toxic pet treats. And I think this really goes to show that you can create a before and after, even with a commodity product. 
So he's not just selling pet treats. He's selling peace of mind for these pet owners who do know that you could buy bad pet treats that could hurt your pet. And he's going to provide a, a healthy, good experience. So even with a commodity product, something that a lot of people are selling or something that's very common um, is what that word means, you can always add this before and after. You can always speak to that transformation from an undesirable before state to a desirable after state. And I think this is a great example of that. 100%. And by the way, we can't forget that we do have a mascot. Yeah, Larry will make it into the show notes. Before we started, Molly said she's got Larry on her lap here. Larry's she's a dog, by the way. <laughs> yes, Larry, Larry's my 12-pound chihuahua, so he's, he's excited to be here, too. <laughs> so why don't we get right into it? I mean, you sort of you created this sort of five-step strategy, and, and the strategy itself we have covered here on the podcast to a degree, but you put your own spin on it. So why don't we go through the steps that you took in order to get to the point where you're, you know, you're well in excess of a million dollars in sales. And I think the big part was really in step one. So why don't we go into a little bit more about what that video is all about and what your total strategy was and what it took to get there. I mean, were you having some struggles and challenges before you got to that point? with other types of ads and be curious to see, you know, what led to this or how your campaigns were performing before you came up with this fairly simple ad strategy. I started off with a lead magnet and the lead magnet was something along the lines of seven toxic dog foods. And I, I, I literally started out just by boosting posts and, you know, it didn't really do too well. The problem was there was nothing sort of to follow up from it. I didn't really have an offer on the end of it. I was just collecting emails and I didn't really know where it was going. But everything sort of changed when we came up with this uh, free plus shipping offer. And this is nothing new, but it's stuff that I've learned from you guys. So the whole idea was a piece of content that spoke about these five dangerous additives that are really common additives in dog treats. And, and you know, a lot of people just don't realize that, you know, if they turn the pack over on their, their pet trees, these are such common you know harmful additives i really wanted to work on amplifying that problem and then transitioning throughout the article to a solution which was a, a free trial of our product so that was the initial strategy and it, it worked pretty well i think that's when you started to kind of realize that hey i can actually sell this stuff on facebook using content up front educating getting them to prompting the click inside the newsfeed and we'll show you images of those individual ads that he started with and how that worked for him. And then the next step, which is the video ad, which we'll get to in just a second. So that strategy was working pretty good. I mean, you were able to sell lots of, you know, free plus shipping offers. But what did you figure out next? Like, what, where was the sort of the break or the, the pain that your business was experiencing, even though you were getting conversions? Like, what was it that you realized that you really did need to change in order to make it really work for you? I mean, we gained 6,000 customers out of that in, in quite a short period of time. You know, we had a whole bunch of customers, but, you know, the next step is you've got to follow up with that. And I think your email funnel or our email funnel was the, the next big step for us. I think it's really important when you, when you acquire these customers that you need to get them to buy that second time. We had timed cross sales and a win back campaign that we quickly put into place. The win back campaign was basically like a discount ladder. 
it triggered after 30 days. If they, the customer hadn't come back, they got an email for a discount. And that in itself really sort of kicked the, the business into second gear. So you acquire the customer. And as I recall, we were acquiring customers at break even or maybe a little bit on the positive. But then the key to you was the follow-up after that initial free trial offer. Because obviously this is something that they consume or the, you know, the dog consumes. <laughs> Unless there's been a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so it is sort of a, if they like it, there is sort of this recurring part to your business, which you sort of realized, hey, if I get a customer in the first time, how can I get them to buy over and over again? Because you have a, obviously... Uh, a product with super high quality, but it is something that they would need on a regular basis. So how did you solve that puzzle? When we acquired all these customers, it was like a race to sort of get content out and, and get them to buy again. And it was sort of like we'd gone from being in e-commerce business to the content business. And we really, that kind of wasn't our business model. What we sort of developed after that was we brought continuity into the business we brought it in fairly early on and it did okay, but we sort of soon realized that, you know, we really just didn't know who our customers were. And that's when the sort of the third phase to our business, we really sort of dug deep into, okay, we've got 6,000 customers here. Who are these people? So we ran a survey and we found out some really insightful information that sort of molded the business into the next stage. So you surveyed your customers, you found out that what, 40% or so or 55 plus year old females, like super important demographic information. Then you tailored your message towards that. And in that survey itself, did you ask them like what's most important to them? Like how did the survey kind of change the course of things from that point forward? The most important thing we actually got out of that survey was that demographic. 40% was 55 plus, which I just never saw coming. And actually, like a, a portion of that 40% as well was customers that were 65 plus. And I can tell you like now at the moment, like a, a huge number of our customers are close to that 70-year-old range. So finding that information out, it allowed me to develop like a continuity product. Continuity is like probably one of the biggest factors. It's what everyone wants. Gives you the ability to buy more customers. Okay, so I used the data um, that we pulled to create what I called the Healthy Pet Parents Association. The whole idea behind this was to not just be selling treats, we were selling a movement, you know, make people feel like they're part of a community. And the whole idea was like, hey, if you want to give your dog like an, a, an extra chance of like, you know, just extending their life a little bit, join our, our Healthy Pet Parents Association. So smart. Because we had that information of, who our target market was now. We knew who these people were. We really developed that product around them. And that information helped us, you know, knock that offer right out of the park. So the first step was blog posts, sending traffic, cold traffic to a blog post content, then with a free trial offer. So that way you acquired a lot of customers, 6,000 plus customers. And yep. then the next step was sort of figuring out, okay, well, I got to get them to buy on a regular basis in order for this to really, for paid traffic to really work for me. So you started doing your email funnel, retargeting, some dynamic product ads, 
And then the next thing was like, all right, well, how can I kind of get this so that it's more of a machine? So that's where the step three, which is where you surveyed them, you found out that this is a demographic that's interested in health of their pet, obviously. And it's a huge pain point. So created a program around that specifically for that, which put them on a, a regular monthly recurring revenue or an annual subscription. So like those first three steps are huge um, yeah. that you figured that out. The next step from there was what? Then this is sort of the core of everything that we want to talk about here, because this is really the big idea is that you started to do a video. Tell, tell us about this video and, and what it entails. I knew that this story about my pet passing away, I, I knew that this resonated with people. And I knew that because I was getting tons of emails. The social proof that I had from doing that free plus shipping offer was just insane. Just the amount of people that were commenting on the, the ads. I just knew that that I was resonating with these people. But I could never sort of get this story to translate that well until, I don't know what it was, I think it was, I was up really late one night and I just realized that you know like I'm not a video sort of guy and I don't really like to get on camera and I know there's a lot of people that don't like to do that so it just dawned on me one night that you know like I can actually portray this story through images and I don't really have to actually be on video so I ended up making this three minute slide video and it was about four o'clock in the morning I think it took me about a couple of hours to get this video rocking and it's actually been running for about four months now. It was the first cut of the, of the video. It's just been absolutely cranking so far. I think it's reached, you know, more than half a million people. And, and the, the funny thing about this video is that close to 50% of the video reach is, is come from organic traffic. One of the things I think that's key here is that you were constantly throughout this whole process, you were creating content, you created content around your origination story, like how you started the business and you put that on your page. And I don't know whether you boosted that or whatever, but that was like your first indication that, all right, that might be something that I might want to put into a paid ad. Is that sort of how it went in your mind? We really sort of nailed the whole approach from the beginning with these uh, with these content ads, but it sort of just it, it just the business just evolved and the um, the story got more. I guess it got clearer to myself as well because you know when I started this business, I didn't realize where it was going to go or, or, or what was going to happen. But as I sort of got to know these people better and and I understood how it was resonating with people you know, it, it just evolved and I got better and better at telling the story. And I, I kept realizing things about the story myself that, um, you, you know, I didn't realize it originally hit those emotional chords with people. We talk a lot about just getting started and getting momentum. And this is why in our, a lot of our formula with Dominate Web Media is why well, I love it when people just start boosting posts so you can get momentum, right? And start to just like, like Dennis, you talked about, and I think episode 49 about, you know, boosting every single post that you do and and seeing what resonates with people and seeing what resonates organically and then guess what you're just going to get better and better the emotional chord that i feel that resonated with people the most and it's not really what you would think so much with like how you would set an ad up was was a kind of like, um, I think the best customers that we came out of were people that were angry about this situation. Absolutely. And I feel like they're the people that actually took action and joined the Healthy Pet Parents Association and they, they became loyal customers because they, 
you know, they felt that anger. And one of the things that, you know, anger provokes is a sense of empowerment, you know, that they want to do something about this and take that next step and find a solution to the problem. I think that's the key to the success here is I think, you know, you, you've discovered that this was a message that resonated with your audience. And uh, it is episode 49, go back to that, when Dennis Yu talks about just boosting content, boosting posts were really a dollar a day and using that as market research for what could be a very successful paid traffic campaign. You certainly did that and it was just a matter of refining it. And it's a really simple video, but it's a very genuine story that directly relates, hits on a pain point, but also creates this movement, you know, of people that, yeah, are angry. And that anger is, is, you know, directed towards doing something right for their pet. And your solution is the logical solution based upon the quality of the of the treats. So everything's sort of working together. And, and for those of you listening, you want to sort of figure out, like for your brand, is there something that you can create? Is there a movement that you can create, whether it's out of, you know, <laughs> anger, as we've talked about, James, mm-hmm. a number of different times, or some passion that you can actually bind people together with your product being the solution, not in a commercial or crass way. And we'll leave the ad actually in the show notes here so you folks can see what we're talking about here. But it comes across as really natural. And I think that's the key to the success of this. Take all the tactical stuff away from it, which is obviously important to make it work in Facebook. But that really is the key and the centerpiece to the success of the entire campaign. And I think it's all about going back to emotions, especially feelings-based. And that's a a hook. I'm putting that in air quotes that we talk about a lot on this podcast and a digital marketer. How are you appealing to people's emotions, but also this concept of triggering events? Um, And it's something that Ryan's been talking a lot about. um, And I think it's really relevant, especially for e-commerce companies and specifically when it comes to your targeting. Because it's not always going to work to target books that people read or other companies that they buy from, because it's not always an education-based market, right? Especially when it comes to selling physical products. Usually there's a triggering event that happens that gets someone to take action and actually buy. So for example, if you're selling you know, men's suits, the triggering events could be graduating from high school or graduating from college. So, you know, someone might need a suit for that occasion. And then you're going into the workforce and you need a suit for interviews. And then maybe you need a suit because you're a business person and uh, your companies increase the amount of travel you're doing. Triggering events can be anything that happens in your life that leads to a purchase, whether it's a divorce or, you know, maybe you're moving or you just got engaged. So for this product, a triggering event could be, oh, I had a bad experience where a pet was ill or passed away from bad treats. And that's going to lead me to buy these products in the future and join this continuity program. So um, I think it's always great to think about triggering events, no matter what you sell and what are the triggering events for your market that could lead to someone wanting your product or service. It will make your messaging a lot better and your targeting a lot better. I think pets are one of the only things that people are just so emotional about. You know, there's a lot of other products that you're not going to get the same sort of emotional response like, you know, like you said, Molly, like out of, you know, suits or whatever. But there is always going to be some sort of emotional response that you can get somewhere. And I think if you can get any edge through any 
small emotional response, doesn't matter really how big it is, you, it's going to give you a better chance of selling your product. That's a key ingredient to the whole thing, without a doubt. Um, the other part to it is that if you don't have the machine behind it, you, you can have a great video like the one that we're going to show in the show notes here. But if you don't have a machine behind it to actually monetize that, it's going to be very challenging for you to really make it work. So why don't, why don't we talk next about sort of the final step, like what you figured out of offering full price versus you know discounts only on continuity to sort of make this whole machine really work from a monetary standpoint. Well, one thing we noticed that in the initial stages when we ran the uh, the free plus shipping offer, you're going to attract a heap of customers that are probably never going to buy from you ever again. And you're also going to attract a certain portion of low quality customers, you know, a lot of freebie hunters and, and whatnot. Introducing people to a brand through a free plus shipping offer sometimes can set that expectation of, well, you're starting out with free, so it's 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 harder to sort of work them up to a higher price. So and that can really affect your average order value and things like that. So one thing that the video ad did for us, it well, first of all, we didn't offer any discount on the link that we had on the on the ad. So we attracted this higher quality of customer who was willing to spend more, and it just started the relationship off in a better position. And second of all, what we sort of changed in the business is we, we stopped giving discounts across the board. Originally, and I know a lot of people make this mistake, they think to get more sales, you've got to keep discounting and discounting. And eventually that sort of just burns out after a while. So what we did, and I think this was a major key to changing the, the business to what it is now, is that we stopped giving discounts. We only offer discounts on continuity. So... At this stage, we have a on-page continuity option. So if you, for example, if you sign up for delivery every month, you get 15% off. And we had something like a, about a 30% uptake just from this video ad to the product page. People were just signing up for continuity. And, and I, I soon figured out that what we were probably doing more is instead of telling people, hey, subscribe to us, we just gave an option and we made it make sense. We started offering a continuity discount on all products in the store. So we went from offering a single product on continuity to just everything. Because I guess with pets, you know, you've got different shapes, sizes, different, you know, consumption rates and things like that. So we thought, hey, why not just give it to everything? But the whole idea behind that was to encourage more people to subscribe. So what we did is we stopped offering monthly discounts, which, you know, it sounds counterintuitive to stop promoting and uh, and discounting to drive more sales but it actually and, and it did sort of s slow things down for for a month or two but my idea behind that was to get people to make the logical decision that hey signing up for continuity is smarter so i set the store up in a certain way which was basically we only offered discounts on continuity we changed the um the pack size from just a random or it would be like 100 200 gram or one kilo of product we changed it to what we call a 30-day supply now we knew that the customer average purchase cycle was 30 days so it made sense to design a pack size around you know a 30-day supply so the customer can then figure out for themselves how much they needed what i found through all of that is that getting the customer to make 
the logical decision on their own was far more powerful than asking them to subscribe and sign up for this and sign up for that. So, you know, that in itself actually stabilized sales for us and and it it added 30% recurring revenue to the bottom line. So to explain that a little bit more, can you explain exactly what you went from to this? So before you had the continuity offer, but it was like an additional thing they could choose. Explain that maybe a little bit more. So the original continuity offer was, it was a mixed box of treats. They couldn't exactly pick what they wanted. It was just a kind of like a sampler box of treats. So, and every month we would kind of switch that out a little bit. And to be totally honest, coming from like an e-commerce and pick and packing side of things, it was a bit of a nightmare because you've got so many different requests and my dog didn't like this or, or, or my dog wanted that or not this. And it dawned on me that there's way too many variations to, to, um, to make a set product. So I opened it up to store wide, let people pick what they want and go on continuity. Love it. And this is a huge part to this. I think if you get the video part right, you can actually go to a full priced offer. And I think that's the key is everyone sort of, I think we, we find this a lot in the agency is people they say that, well, you can't really sell on Facebook. Yes, you can sell on Facebook. You can sell full price products on Facebook, but your front facing ad has got to be done the right way. And obviously in this case, you really figured it out because it's a hot button with those customers. You surveyed your audience. You really went deep on this. This was not something that you figured out overnight. I mean, your overnight success was two, three years in the making, I suppose, uh, as is often the case with any overnight success. But the key, I think, to hear is that you stopped discounting on the front end. And yep. that is crucial because it, by doing that, by doing that free plus ship, you were anchoring that lower price at that lower level. So then when they went to full price, it was like, oh, I used to get it at this price. Now I have to pay this. So, but exactly. you first that you've totally flipped the script on it. You said, all right, I'm going to go obviously with a you know, top quality video, something that really talks about your origination story, gives them a real passion and an understanding of what the whole brand is about. It builds that value. So you can actually go to a full price offer. And then the only discount you put in is when they buy into continuity, which is key. So a lot of people think it's the reverse, but in fact, the way that you're doing it now, and it took you some time to figure this out, that's why this makes sense from a monetary standpoint. We haven't touched on the video much, and we'll, like I said, we'll link to it in the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 110-110. We say this a lot, like one good video can change your business overnight or change your life. For sure. And you, you gotta have the fun, and we've talked about that a lot. You know, the video I mentioned on the last episode 109 at the end where I didn't give the name of it, but it's the iPhone photography school guys and they're in their navigator customer. And we'll link to one of the videos now because they said they're cool with sharing it. And their video is education more, right? There's not much emotion in their situation, but they're given so much value. If you look at their like to share ratio, most of their videos are They have like 21,000 likes or reactions, right? Likes, loves, hates, whatever. And then they'll have like, one of them has 21,000 reactions and 25,000 shares. So that's higher than a one-to-one ratio. There's more shares than likes. Another one I'm looking at now has got 36,000 reactions, 45,000 shares, okay? People, when you do a video ad, people think that video ad works or it doesn't work based on a couple different videos. But if you don't have 
a good enough video that's actually shareable that actually and also moves people to the next step, it's not going to work. I mean, these guys are taking people straight to a $97 sales page offer and spending a lot of money. And so back to James, you created a video that's emotional. Okay. We talk about the six principles, why things catch on in the book contagious. And one of them is emotion. You know, sometimes it's because people want to share useful content and that's kind of what the, the, the iPhone guys, but your video is epic because it's got that emotion, but it also your story is to why you created these pet snacks the way they are absolutely leads to the next step is to go buy some because if you have a pet, you don't want that happening to your pet. If you run a video ad, look at your like to share ratio. If you're getting like, let's say you get a hundred likes or reactions and you have like 25 or 30 shares, then your video isn't probably good enough to, to sustain and scale. Oh, absolutely. And this one is, is no different. I mean, the like to share ratio is, is pretty much like one to one. It's, it's a one to one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just, mm. you know, definitely higher on the share end of things. So yep. I mean, it really speaks to that. I mean, the key is to be able to test enough stuff to get to the point where you actually get that kind of result. And I think James did that here. He finally sort of realized like, this is the story I should be telling by testing it. But everything that he did, you know, the past, you know, the, uh, all his year and a half, two years of running Facebook ads was just merely prologue to what he now has figured out. And that is the story that resonates with his audience. So if you're starting with a video ad and you don't get a one to one like to share ratio, that's OK. You know, just keep trying and figuring out and watch your data and look to what really does resonate with your audience, because once you start figuring that out, all of a sudden, everything else will just flow from it. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to be all the way at one to one. Like if you're at two to one, so let's say you get 100 reactions and you're getting 50 shares, that's still really good, especially in kind of a B2B type of niche. Um, but, you know, compare it to other ads you've done or other videos. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because that's going to be directly proportional to your cost. So sometimes you'll see you might have a, an ad that's costing you three or four dollars per link click or five dollars per link click, a video ad. And another video ad I'll look at will cost 20 cents per link click in the same audience, the same business, because it's way more shareable, but it also leads people to take action. So the differences are exponential. James, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on. We all appreciate you coming on and sharing your story here and being so transparent with the types of things that you didn't do so well at and then you kind of figured it out. And then over the course of time, now you've really hit a home run. And it's a great thing to see that people just start, do it, get it out there and then refine it over time sustain their business and eventually figure it all out like you have here. So it's great. Congratulations on your success. Yes. Congratulations. Super excited to have you working in the agency now. So you've transferred yeah. all this knowledge. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all this. This has been some gold, gold, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Once again, anything we touched on video, if you want to watch the video ad, if you have a pet, make sure you go, you know, buy their product, check it out, you know, go see how their <laughs> funnel works. <laughs> Larry's definitely getting some, some dog treats. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that's going to be at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast episode one, one, zero. James, awesome stuff. No worries. Thanks a lot, guys. Cool. Hopefully you enjoyed it. You listener. And uh, we will talk to you on the next one. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Grant, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. 
For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.